Dr. Ellen Gendler is a dermatologist. I met her years ago, and she's my go-to for anything that has to do with skin. She's very smart and very informed, and also helped me source some of these doctors and people that I've spoken to about women's issues. One of the things that is very important, obviously, and of great interest to her is skin health and preventing skin cancer and understanding the quality of skin throughout our lives and how to just take care of ourselves. We were joking to get women to think about skin health. We talked about doing an Instagram when I have my skin checked, but I just thought, no clothes on with the light in a doctor's office. I don't think I'm going to go there. Anyway, I did ask her to come in and be a part of this because a lot of our issues with not only skin health, but what we do, products we use, how we treat our skin is really sort of not taken seriously from a doctor's point of view. And unless we have acne or some issues with our skin or cosmetic enhancement, we rarely think of the importance of a dermatologist to take care of our skin. We think more about what kind of product we're going to use. I think that focusing more on skin health is an important part of a healthy lifestyle. And she was extremely helpful in this conversation. So let's listen to Dr. Ellen Gendler. Thank you very much, Ellen, for being a part of this and helping me organize part of it, too. I would love for you to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your accomplishments, what you do, what might be of interest for people to hear about now before we start. Thank you for inviting me, Norma. I'm Ellen Gendler. I am a dermatologist in New York City. I'm a clinical Associate Professor of Dermatology at NYU Langone Medical Center, where I've worked for 25-plus years. And I actually started the Cosmetic Center at NYU 20 years ago after specializing in contact dermatitis for many years. And at the time, there were not too many products that were offering cosmetic benefits, and patients would use things and develop reactions to them. So at NYU, in the contact dermatitis unit, we used to see them and try to diagnose what, what the problems were. As a result of that, I was able to get involved in trials of new products that were coming on the market, and I was fortunate enough to help Bobby Brown develop her first skincare line. She had already started her makeup line. I helped her develop the skincare line. And after that, I really began to be involved in clinical trials of injectable materials and botulinum toxins. And that's how it all started. So I have a busy practice in New York City, and um, I love what I do. I teach the residents, and I am not an early adapter of lots of new technologies, but I have pretty much all the latest technologies or only the ones that work. I think I'm known as a very honest and straightforward doctor. I do not only cosmetic dermatology, but medical dermatology, as you, Norman, know. And I love what I do. Love, 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 or you, this is not the right 
job for someone who doesn't right. love it. So I'm blessed to be a doctor, and I'm thankful that one of my children actually became a doctor. And your husband is. And my husband is, but I had nothing to do with that. So, you know, just to start, we, you were talking about your first involvement in the quality of products and what they're doing to women and how women are reacting to products. And I met Horst, who developed Aveda years ago, and he, from a wellness perspective, he was an incredible mentor for me. And I learned so much from him, and when he sold Aveda, um, he made a tremendous amount of money, and he then spent a lot of time and money on research and looking at what the cosmetic industry was doing to women and women's health. And one of the things, I used to wear red nail polish and red lipstick, and he gave me a paper on that. And a lot of what he'd written was never published because the beauty industry was so powerful. Resistant to that. It would not go into vogue. And so once I read that paper, I stopped wearing red nail polish, red lipstick. But he also talked about the fact that pounds of, of lipstick are consumed by women, and he, his belief it went to their breasts, and that a lot of information about what we're putting on our skin is affecting our overall health. What are your thoughts about that? Well, it's very interesting because he was an interesting guy and he started a line that was, quote, holistic or based on essential oils. And as someone who is expert in contact dermatitis, what I find most interesting is that the single largest ingredient to cause allergic reactions of the skin is fragrance. And that is basically essential oils. Yeah. So it's always been a conundrum to me. Patients will come in and they have terrible reactions to this or that. And they say, well, I, everything I use is natural. Or I use, a, you know, mm-hmm. I use um, Veda or other brands that have essential oils. And not infrequently, that's mm-hmm. what they're allergic to. So while they are, quote, natural in an attempt to use natural things, they often have problems. Right. And, and it's important for for uh, consumers, not just women, but consumers, to understand that to make a product that's truly natural, there can't be any preservatives. And without preservatives, things go go rancid. So there have to be preservatives. So there there are products that are as safe as possible, but still within the standards of what what needs to be done. Safety, obviously. I think people say they want clean, organic, natural, because they just want to know it's safe, and those are the buzzwords. But in in fact, sometimes chemistry is safer than natural, and and natural and organic, and you know, poop is organic. So what what specifically are we talking about, and how does that affect women? I do think there is still an issue in the beauty industry as a whole. Oh. because of the big business aspect of it, where there's total neglect on what could really make people sick. That's a big issue. That, that is a big issue, and I also think that there's a big issue because a lot of the products that are being sold, even if they don't make you sick, they don't do anything. And it's hard for me to envision using products that are of no use to you except for the promise. Except for the promise, yeah. and that's very, very sad to me. So I have, as you know, in my, my philosophy is that less is more, 
and that you, there are certain things that I call non-negotiables that everybody should be using or most people should be using. And on top of that, if there are products that you enjoy using because you like the way they make you feel or look, mm. I don't have no objection unless they hurt you. So if you're using creams that are causing you, say, to break out or to get whiteheads or to get irritated, you need to stop. Mm. Uh, and you don't need to use 400 products. Right. And I spend so much of my time trying to teach women about these things, and it gets it's a little frustrating. So for, for skin, like, for, um, what makes people break out? That's a complex question. <clears throat> there are those who break out because they have hormonal issues, which is actually fairly common in women. Obviously not, we're not talking about men here, we're talking about women. And there are family history issues with acne. So if one of your parents had terrible acne, chances are you might get that too. It's very unusual to have somebody break out in acne, cystic acne, from things that they are doing to themselves. They don't break out because they're not clean. That's an old wives' tale that because if you don't wash, you'll break out. And some of the worst acne patients I have wash you know, compulsively, oh, yeah. right. So there are products that definitely cause breakouts, and there are habits that cause breakouts. For instance, back in the day when people used what we called pomades, so like those thick gels and creams on their hair to hold their hair back, to slick their hair back, that would often cause problems on the forehead, acne in the forehead. Mm. And I used to have a dictum that if a girl came in to see me, a young girl with bangs and acne, the first thing I did was flip up her bangs and I would see what was going on there. Because if you have bangs and you use product and you don't wash your hair frequently enough, you'll yeah. often get acne. Yeah. So those, there are some simple things and obvious, yeah. Yeah, that, are, that are fairly obvious, but they're not obvious to lots of people. Mm -hmm. And so you can really change someone's skin by just altering their, their habits. I think that using too much moisturizer is not good for, for many people or even most mm -hmm. people. Using harsh cleansers, not necessary, mm -hmm. but you do need to cleanse. So if someone says to me, and I don't know how you feel about this, but the idea of, quote, cleansing with oil is preposterous. <laughs> Oil doesn't cleanse. Right. Once you put oil on your skin, you have to then cleanse. Take exactly, you take it off. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. So the only time that oil should be used in a cleansing routine is if you are someone who wears four inches of pancake makeup. And you need to scrape it exactly. off. Exactly, and you need to solubilize the makeup and then wash it. It adds two hours to your washing and routine. So what kind of oil is needed on the skin. I mean, I'm not just talking moisturizer, but there's a lot of oils, right? There are a lot of oils, but most of the time, none of them are needed. Your skin right. makes your its own that's, oils. That's my question. Like, See, why would you need that? You wouldn't. So, But why would companies sell oils and tell you that it's good for you? So if your salesperson looks nice and tells you to use oil, you'll use oil. It's, it's incredible to me. It really is. You know, you have to think about the human body as a, it's an organ that is self-perpetuating. So, for instance, when you're walking down the street, you don't tell your left leg to, to walk. You don't say, lift up my quadriceps. <laughs> They'll contract my hand. So it just does it. Right. And it's so fascinating because looking at faces, you see what the human body does without realizing it. Right. How often do I point out to someone that his or her right eyebrow is higher than the left, and they never knew that. And they said, well, why is that? And then I point out, well, look at your eyelids. As a matter of fact, one eyelid is maybe a millimeter lower, so that eyebrow has to pull harder to lift up. Patients are incredulous. They cannot believe. How, how did you notice this? Well, that's what, that's what mm -hmm. you do. Mm -hmm. So the same thing goes with skin. It does what it has to do unless you interfere with it. 
You're yeah. in balance. It wants to be healthy and soft and nice, and it will do bad things to itself if there's an underlying problem right. or if you do something to cause a problem. And what about food and what about diet? How much does that affect skin and the, the concept of taking supplements like collagen and stuff like that? Well, that's, those are two, two different two, questions. Two, two different yeah, as I was so, saying, I'm thinking, right. <laughs> okay, two questions here. Okay, but so some the, of the first, first one, diet. The, okay, so diet. So in the, back in the day, remember when they always said chocolate causes acne? Well, they disproved that, sort of. And over the course of time, when patients would say, I think um, I drink too much milk, I'm dairy causes my... Oh, it does not. But as I got older, I started to think, you know, if you believe that, if you actually test it out on yourself and you find that when, this, when you eat this particular food, then, then it does do that mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. And we've learned that with allergies in the skin, there yeah. definitely are food allergies. That's not to say that acne is, is related to, all, to food allergy. There are cases where it is, not allergy, but food sensitivity. And now we're learning so much about the microbiome and the, the effect it has on health and what you can do to, to improve your mm -hmm. health like that. But I think that being um, uh, any kind of food craze is probably not good for your body, and what's not good for your body is not good for your skin. What That's about a, alcohol? Well, alcohol can absolutely aggravate acne rosacea, which or is a special like breed. General oh, you mean like al rubbing alcohol? No. You mean drinking alcohol? Yeah. Well, anything that dilates the blood vessels will cause redness of the skin. So drinking alcohol, which is a potent vasodilator, will cause your skin to be red and leave you with capillaries. If you have a rosacea condition and you're a really big drinker, you get pustules and it definitely does. There are those who believe that the sugars in alcohol might contribute. You know, this is, um, this is old and now new science trying to learn about these things. So I never say no, no, no to anything because sometimes it does pan out even when it sounds preposterous. Yeah, I think the fact that when people drink, they just look so bad the next day, especially the older they get, that they there drink can't a lot. be something good. I mean, it, but then they it, say that in red wine, for instance, resveratrol is a very potent antioxidant, so maybe there's something good well, in that. Well, you grapes, you can get that from... <laughs> you have to eat a lot of grapes, you'd be 300 pounds, right? You know, sugar, I think it, anything in moderation yeah. is fine. So now collagen, collagen supplements, okay, collagen that's ridiculous. powders, okay, collagen... Okay, that's ridiculous. Okay. That's just ridiculous. That is an attempt. Collagen soup, collagen broth. All the things of collagen, even <laughs> collagen on the skin, ridiculous. Even it, putting a collagen cream on yeah, the any, skin. Okay. From Are the there, do people put collagen cream? Oh, they put all sorts of things, including collagen cream. It does nothing. The, 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 the molecules in the collagen cream are so large, they can't even, they, they, they barely sit on top of the skin, they don't penetrate. And there is no... There is no logical reason to be drinking collagen broth. It's that is for bones and it, tissue health. Or, have you heard from anyone that? No, I'm right. asking. Well, I have no. no. <laughs> if that would be such a great solution to osteoporosis if you could just drink collagen. I, I should have asked Dr. Dr. Lane, Lane. Right? If Dr. Lane, I, he, you know, he probably would fall off his chair if you <laughs> if you said that. But no, there's there's no science to that. And when fringe companies come up with these products. It's amazing how many people like, like a trend. It's like it a trend. Becomes, It'll be it's just oh, like yeah. CBD and everything. So what about CBD cream for the skin? You know, <laughs> <laughs> when I, I laugh about that, but then I'll, I'll have not, a patient who'll say, you know, when I use it, I stop itching. 
okay, then use it. I mean, right. It, right. it seems silly to me, but there's a lot of connection between the brain and the skin. And sometimes yeah. there are connections you don't understand. So if you apply something and it's not harmful and it, you feel that it helps you, then by all means use it. Mm. To use CBD oil to cure cancer is a whole other kettle of fish, but... Or for, you know, somebody who's going through chemotherapy, something and under, under doctor's instructions. But well, that's just di- so wild right. all over the... When, when there's CBD in croissants, it's I say great. enough. It's like enough, enough. Right? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I've had it. That's and there's something unappealing about seeing it, especially <laughs> anyone over the age of 60 walking around uh, right. stone. stone. It's a, right. no, it just doesn't it's go not, well. It's not pretty. Right. Not pretty. Um, so the, with young people and skin, this is such a um, big issue because so many kids are so plagued by skin issues and it starts to define who they're going to be as adults, you know? Definitely does. And I'm sure you've seen that. Besides dealing with those skin acne issues, do young people come in to see you for other issues? What, oh, what lots are, of them. Like what? Well, for instance, today I had a lovely young woman who was 23 or 24, young teacher, and she came in because she didn't like the way her face looked. It was covered, covered in brown spots. She was a beautiful young girl, big blue eyes. Like, like, like freckles? Uh, well, bigger than freckles. And like freckles that had merged. That had coalesced, right. And what did she get these from? She went to school in Florida, and they used to sunbathe. And then she started going to tanning booths. Tanning booths should be illegal. I don't think that... And why? Because it's ultraviolet A, which is the deepest type of ultraviolet ray, and it penetrates very deeply in the skin. It's what's largely responsible for pigmentation on the skin and probably mostly for the deeper skin cancers that we get. You're kidding. No. So when you think about this, a tanning booth is... Uh, you sit there for maybe 30 minutes or 40 minutes. UVA is a deeper ray. It is the tanning ray, not the burning ray. UVB is the sunburn ray. So when you get a sunburn, it's because too much UVB has penetrated your skin. If you had a, a tanning booth that was ultraviolet B and you sat under the lights for more than 15 seconds, you might be hospitalized, you'd be <gasps> third degree burns. So UVA, which causes tanning, the tanning response, you could sit there for 40 minutes and you come out and you have a tan. Over time, that's what causes this, this, um, the pigmentation to appear. And it doesn't appear right the yeah. summer it, or whenever you go in there. It, yeah. it takes years. years. So what, what's important here is that what you do in your childhood up to maybe age 20 will be reflected in your adulthood when you're smart enough to understand what you yeah. did. Yeah. And it's compounded by things like the birth control pill or pregnancy. I never really understood why gynecologists and obstetricians are not more forceful with their women patients about what to do when they're on the pill or when they're pregnant, because protecting their skin at that time will help prevent the pigment problems, the mask of pregnancy, and the things that plague us as we get older. And it's a complicated issue because most doctors don't even discuss this. They don't discuss sunscreens. I think the, the holistic approach to medicine is so hard to do with all the specialties disconnected in many ways and that there really needs to be advice like that's a great example of 
having to know about what's going on with skin and birth control and all of that. Let's talk about SPFs. Mm -hmm. Tell this, me everything. This is my favorite subject this to talk is about. Becoming my favorite subject. I can. Yes. I think I can simplify it in do a way it. that's. It's been shocking to me that other dermatologists do not do this with their patients, and also that the United States has been so slow to adopt good sunscreen. So let me, in a nutshell, explain this. In the United States, the best ingredient we have in our sunscreens to shield against ultraviolet A in a chemical sunscreen is called avobenzone. It's what's in every brand is that you that see. Is zinc? No, no. there are chemical sun, let me back up for a second. Okay. There are chemical sunscreens and physical sun blocks. Physical sunblocks are things like zinc oxide, the old lifeguard white, right. you know, white lips. That's a block that actually stands between your skin and the sun. Okay. Then there are chemical sunscreens, which actually absorb the rays of the sun. The chemicals in them absorb the rays and don't allow them to penetrate. So you have to shield yourself against ultraviolet A, ultraviolet B, and now we know even visible light. Okay, just, vis just visible light that you can see. So in the States, we have lousy ultraviolet A sunscreens, lousy. And why? Well, the FDA has not approved right, other ingredients that have been ubiquitous in Europe and yeah. Australia for yeah. 50 years. And why is that? Well, that's complicated. So it's expensive to get something approved through the, for the FDA. And sunscreens are considered drugs. So in order to get a sunscreen approved, it's rigorous testing and millions and millions dollars, and millions yeah. of dollars. So which company would want to subject themselves to that when in reality, the general public doesn't really care? They, my patients will say to me, oh, I wear an SPF 30. They, they don't even, they don't even no, know they what's in it. they care more about the number. The number, and they don't the even know if it's good. But my the, but my what favorite about analogy, babies? Putting, well, ba putting all the stuff so, on babies. Right, so babies under the age of six months can't really metabolize chemicals. So at best, babies should be using things like zinc oxide, you know, thick zinc oxide, or keep them indoors. They should not, babies cover should not be, up. cover them up. You use sun protective right. blankets Put and shirts. Put a hat on, long but sleeves. Exactly, yeah. and they should protect their eyes. We don't even talk about eyes. Your eyes are living tissue. They are affected profoundly mm -hmm. by the sun, and they should be protected with sunglasses. Little kids should be wearing sunglasses. Now, I realize that sometimes you feel like you're making your child look like a freak, <laughs> but in my day, we didn't wear seat belts. Yeah. So right. it's a miracle that all of us are alive, right? right? But now, you, parents, if your kid goes into the car and won't put the seatbelt on, you don't drive. Mm -hmm. Well, that's how it should be with sunscreen and with protective eyewear. And then our kids won't have some of the same problems that we have. So the best so, sunscreen so best is, the, is what? Okay, so the best sunscreen is one A that you'll wear, okay? So for me, I think that American chemical sunscreens are not good. They're not good enough. And in, it used to be that it was impossible to get the European sunscreens because you couldn't really import them. And you'd have to fly to France to get things that have Mexoril or Tynosorb in them. Well, now with the internet, you can get anything yeah. anywhere. So the, I see yeah. no reason to not be using the finest sunscreen yeah. possible. And for people who have problems from the sun, real problems, I suggest that they do double layering. They use a chemical sunscreen and then put a zinc oxide oh, sunscreen really? on top. Let me say one other pet peeve, and I feel like I'm talking too much, but these no, things are so important. No, this is why you're here. When, when a woman buys a foundation and it says, oh, this is an SPF, SPF 15, I say it's neither a good foundation nor a good sunscreen because putting 
those chemicals on your skin can cause clogging and can cause irritation. So you should use a sunscreen when you need a sunscreen and a foundation with no sunscreen when you need a foundation. That's what you should do. They're never good ingredients. And often they have titanium dioxide in in them, which is a much less uh, useful sunscreen than zinc oxide. And now there's so much information about how it's affecting the environment. Right, and And nanoparticles. and and I mean, it's really, and, and all I can think of is we had company at the beach, and I said, can I just, you're putting this stuff on your baby. Can I just like look at that for a minute? And I said, you cannot use this. <laughs> and I, I had, because I was in London and I was curious about like, why do they have sunscreen that has just seems everything about it seems safer. So I bought a baby sunscreen, mm-hmm. um, EU tested mm-hmm. And I had it with me, and so I said, could you just use this? Do you care? Just If you don't care, just use this instead. And use it on yourself, too, because it's going to be better than that. What I, I don't want to say the brand, but it's better than what you're putting well, on. We have to be a label reader. So if you're going to use a, a product, you should. if you're using a, a sunblock, it should have a high, way higher percentage of zinc than titanium. Mm. Nanoparticles, which lo- make, the, make it a more elegant product and easier to use, may not be so great for us. We just don't know that yet. Um, but if you it's a would, big question. It's a big question, way. but if you would rather, how do you weigh that versus the damage from the sun, which is really pretty finite? You know, you, you, can, you can calculate that, you can calibrate that, and you can see it in your, in your skin. I, I think it's super important for people to always look at having a hat and having long sleeves and thinking about how much time they're going to be in the sun even if they're using sunscreen, right. there's just a certain amount of time that you're going to say, okay. Now, tell me what your thoughts are about if you're wearing sunscreen, are you getting vitamin D3? So you do get it, okay? You do get through it. Through your but eyes, or is it? I yes. What, mm-hmm. Through your eyes, through right? Eyes. But you, then again, I, I'm recommending... You're not your eyes, I'm right? Recommend, right. But you can also supplement by taking a vitamin D3 supplement. It's very easy. So yeah. I, you know. No, and but I'm just saying that it's doing its job to the point where you get the nutrition from D that you have to think that you still need to That's have right. To. So if it's you are, then you do. If yeah. you're somebody who, who really doesn't go out in the sun at all, then you really do D3, have to be mindful. Yeah. But, you know, there, there are some diseases... We rarely see rickets in our segment of the world, mm-hmm. but there are places where they don't have enriched milk, and they, they and they do. What's also fascinating to me is the idea of DNA repair, and they won the Nobel Prize in 2015 for discovering some enzymes. This is a really burgeoning field. Do you know that when when you most human beings are very deficient in DNA repairing enzymes. So what happens when you go outside and you are hit by the sun, immediately your skin reacts and changes take place that alter the DNA in your cells. They, really? they, they, they trim the DNA and things happen that lead to skin cancer and other changes. We cannot really repair our skin all that well. It's probably true that if you're darker skinned, you may be able to you may be able to repair certain aspects of the damage better than fairer skins. We don't really understand that, but we do know that we're deficient in these enzymes that many plants and algae and bacteria have. 
They won the Nobel Prize for discovering some of these things. And two studies have been done that are convincing in the New England Journal of Medicine. I don't mean in you know prevention magazine or glamour. I mean in real <laughs> the, the, the foremost medical journals right. that by applying DNA repair enzymes to the skin for two years, you can decrease by 30% pre-cancers and non-melanoma skin cancers. Well, why isn't everybody using them? They should be. Yeah. And um, the corollary of that is that they've discovered that there are a few antioxidants that you can take orally that will do the same thing. So vitamin B3 or nicotinamide, by taking that 500 milligrams twice a day, you can buy it on Amazon, will also do that. And there's something called Heliocare, which you can buy on Amazon. It's a polypodium, a fern extract, which also prevents, mm -hmm. helps prevent sun damage. So it's, it's so important to, do, to, to know about that. And I'm a strong advocate of mm -hmm. using those creams in addition yeah. to everything else that you do. And it, makes, it really will help going mm -hmm. forward. Yeah. And so you and I were going to do a video in your office of me getting a skin scan to look for any damage or anything. And then I thought, first of all, the lighting in any doctor's office is not Norma, you look beautiful in any light. No. You pitch black. <laughs> no. But I, I think it was almost sort of like the importance of being vigilant and not only in protection, but then having somebody who can see. Like, I look at my body and I see spots. I was like, was that spot there before? Was that a tick bite? Or like, I'm like, what the hell's going on? And I think I could never recognize. Like, you show me things and I think, I don't know what that is. Remember that, way yeah. back in the day, we, you had to have that, yeah. the special surgery, you know, the surgery on, on a yeah. mole and you didn't even know that it was there. And no. you were like, point it out to me. Yeah. And then I, like, next, I right. did not have a clue. I could not in a million years have thought that there was an issue or a problem. And so I thought, okay, I could do this for Instagram. I'll put, <laughs> I'll put a little cloth over my boobs in here to You're say- You're just trying to show off, this is, Yeah, this is it. But then I thought, I don't know about the lighting and uh, there's a lot well, of we could do. We could just do part. We could do an arm. Maybe we'll but, leave that open. We'll, we'll, leave that we'll, we'll open think about that. But visit. you know, for all of you out there who are listening who, who do not go to get your moles checked, I think that it's a very good idea to get them checked once a year, once every two years, but to, to at least have a baseline. And if you do go to get a skin check, and your doctor does not comb through your hair with her, with his or her fingers and look at every ounce of your every inch of your scalp or separate your toes. the cheek your toes or your the cheeks of your butt <laughs> then i say get your clothes back on and leave and go somewhere else because right. you know doing a, a skin exam without examining certain <laughs> parts is like listening to a heart and only listening to the left side right. oh right yeah no i mean it's it's an intimate exam it is but, but it's but important it's, yeah it is truly important seen one I, seen them all yeah doctors don't <laughs> doctors don't look at things the same way you know as no, other people I know. it's just a body and if it happens to be yours that's very nice but, but it's also the fact that you you have comparisons and that you you sure. know you you see Things and we take day. notes, and, yeah. and we often take photographs. And in fact, for patients who have have extensive moles all over their body, how could anyone remember? So I have them go for special photography, and then we uh, everything's put on a CD. And then when I examine them, I'm able to put the pictures right next to them. I literally stand there, and I go from mole to mole. It takes a long time. Oh it's God. you know, it's oh it's my God. And so, tough, but it's so worthwhile. back to the 
the freckles that came together? What what could you do for something? So first like of all, that? she was shocked. She's 24 years old, and she, her skin looks like she's 50. So I said, you are never going in a tanning booth again, and there are things you can do to try to to help this. So number one, she needed to use something that would help lighten those spots. And there are things that you might say that might be dangerous, like hydroquinone, which is probably the most potent and most effective skin bleaching agent. It's not what Michael Jackson used to turn himself white, but hydroquinone helps prevent the formation of pigment because it interferes with one of the enzymes that causes melanin to be produced. And it is very, very safe. There's a lot of controversy in the lay literature that it can cause cancer in rats if put if a you know if 5,000 gallons are applied a day but there's never been issues in humans but that doesn't mean that people are not scared by it so there are some other non less toxic um, ingredients that can help lighten but they don't work nearly as well and so. so this therapy would then it lighten the color that's right it take it'll take melanin out of the abnormal abnormally pigmented areas. And so over a period of time? It gradually lightens, but you need to do something along with that to, to maintain it. So you need to wear sunscreen and do all the yeah. other things. And if you don't do that, if you use the bleaching creams and you don't, and you still sit in the sun, and you, then it's point, absolutely pointless. Mm -hmm. It's like going on a diet and Having starving yourself right. all day and eating five pints of right. Haagen-Dazs at night. What's the point? Give it up, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say when you brought that up, that I've been noticing fair people who are developing more and more freckles right. that don't go away in the right. winter and that just seem to be gathering. Freckles are what you have on your skin when you're six years old that are so cute and they sprinkle on your nose and in September they go away. Age spots or lentigenes. Is that are, what they turn into? Right. Oh, well, well, they don't always turn into them, but, but freckles are just temporary. Um, your, your skin is producing pigment to protect itself. It's saying, help, help, help. Oh, and that's really? what, ha and then you get the freckle and then it disappears. It's not permanent pigment, yeah. but over time the pigment is deposited permanently and then you're stuck with them. They're not freckles anymore. No. No, so I, I actually have been noticing that. And on young people. Young that, people. Yeah. And obviously, it's someone, people who are in the sun a lot. Right. So besides the sun and taking care of your skin and young people that come in, whether it's acne or an issue like this or just some sort of the maintenance things, there's a big conversation that I want to have with you about self-esteem. Oh, I knew you were going and, to get to well, that. you know, I course. do, and it's really and, tough. And so, you know, I've, I know you now for quite a few years, and I know your style and your, your um, take on the kinds of things women do. You know, we've had conversations about plastic surgery, and, you know, I'm not against anything. I, and right. I'm not against people having plastic surgery. Sure. I don't, I'm not against anything if it's going to make somebody feel better. But where you and I agree about this and, and a lot of things, but about this is when you start going into the witness protection program <laughs> and the, the authentic you is no longer there, there's something that takes part of your soul almost and that doesn't allow the authentic you to live and age and 
be dominant always. Well, right? sadly, that often uh, there is no authentic you because these are people who are always in search of a different, mm. a different they. They're, they're not happy for whatever reason with themselves, and they feel that if they had bigger lips or a smaller nose, it would change their lives. Or somebody else's identity. Okay. I mean, well, I think I told you when I went to Lebanon, and I, w I went to a, an amazing wedding in Beirut, and all of the, the girls are but Lebanese girls, it's not because I'm Lebanese and saying this sort of like at a distance. Sure. Lebanese girls, especially, I mean, the girls that are just gorgeous. I mean, they're really beautiful. And that Middle Eastern thing is, is quite beautiful. And Lebanese girls love to be, you know, to do it up. Mm -hmm. And so I went to this wedding and there was a big club that we went to one night. And literally, every girl there was Kim Kardashian with a different hair color, a different outfit, but all Kim Kardashian, not just the face, but the body, too. And they were young, and it was shocking, actually, to see that this was a big step that they each made, but the persona of who she is and what she looks like and her identity obviously is so powerful that they identified with her because there's a similar coloring and body type, but they went to that extreme. Those lengths, right. You know, there are a lot of young, um, young Asian women come in now and they want to change their faces and, and to, for to, what look, way? to look more Caucasian. And a young girl was in a few weeks ago, she, and she was an Asian, beautiful Asian girl, she wanted me to do permanent hair removal on her, the front of her forehead to do the Kim Kardashian hairline where there's, it's absolutely straight and there's no hair coming down on the forehead at all. And I said to her, this, that's permanent. What if you decide that you don't like that in, in 15 years? She said, oh, I'll never decide that. I said, well, honestly, I'll never do that to you. So. You know, you can't change somebody's mind often, right. but I say to myself, just because somebody wants to do something doesn't mean I have to do it. Right. I right. have just feelings about it, and isn't, you know, no one ever died from not having laser hair removal. So, <laughs> you know, for things that don't make sense, I just won't do it. And, and sadly, as much as Instagram is kind of fun here and there, and obviously it takes up way too much time for way too many people, there's so much falsehood in Instagram with the filters and you can't look like these people and you try and it's really disturbing yeah. it's so disturbing so I think one of the there's that one kind of I want to look like Kim Kardashian or somebody else that they sort of feel a connection to or wanting to emulate um, and that's for a younger person who's still looking for the, uh, their identity. They could be in their 20s. And right. I think, you know, I get that. But the permanency of a tattoo or something like this is something you have to decide. You really have to think okay, about, I'm right? going to live with. Mm -hmm. Then the, the aging process begins. And the aging process begins in your the 20s, day you're born. in your 30s, right, where you start to see a line. It doesn't go away or when you stay out late and you used to recover right away and now it's two or three days before that happens. And so when do you start seeing people come in 
to see you because they're thinking that the aging process is 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 affecting is, them. Is affecting them in there. I would say now at around age 30. That's when I see really? it's it's a it's an abrupt change. You know, sometimes it's when they're they've just gotten married or they're starting a family or their careers and they are now aware of what's happening to them. But I uh, have a funny saying, it's not really funny, but it's true, that the day you're born, it's a relentless march to death. So there's nothing you can do to prevent aging. So positive. <laughs> but I mean, there's certain things you can prevent and certain things you can't. There's intrinsic and extrinsic aging. And if we did not age, the world would be overrun with people and we couldn't fit. Like if you never lost a hair on your head, you'd be a gorilla. So things happen for a reason, and there's, there's evolution, and the, that's how the world was meant to be. So you're going to age. How you do it, to me, is most important. Mm -hmm. And there definitely is a critical time when doing certain things is no longer acceptable, appropriate, or attractive. Mm -hmm. And we each have to feel, the, we each want to feel the best we can. So when we talk about how somebody comes, goes, and gets themselves plastic surgery of every possible right. part of their body, if they look freakish and other people notice that, that's sad. But if they, if it, if they actually feel better, then it's their decision. Mm. But usually it's a slippery slope. For someone who has surgery on multiple parts of their body and continues to do this, it usually is a sign that there's some kind of... Uh, insecurity or yeah I, I think it's definitely insecurity and I think um, the fact that there especially when it comes to surgery where you're making a big decision right. and and it's not reversible it, you always know what you have you never know what you're going yeah. to get and so when people want to do really big lips or do cheek things, whatever. Are those things reversible? Yes. Like they so, are. Yeah, I mean, unless you use a permanent kind of filler. You know, I say permanent filler is permanent problems. And if you love the way, if you love something, you love a filler, you love the Botox, if you love it, it doesn't last long enough. If you hate it, it lasts way too long. And so, permanent means like there, there for are, life? Or? Yeah, there are some things like silicone. You get silicone injected into your skin, it's there forever. For life? For life. Really? It's there for life. So there's lots of fillers on the market now that are very soft and natural and they don't cause allergies and they're, they're, they go away over time, but they're also reversible. So if you got a filler in your face with hyaluronic acid right. and you said, I hate this, there's a little enzyme injection we can do and it dissolves it right then and there. So those are, those are things that are, they're safe because you can fix them. Mm. But there's, there's also, as you, let's talk to you about your amazing fashion sense. You know, you have an entire studio of beautiful clothes that, of course, you look amazing in. Not everyone does, but it looks great and everything. But you have an eye. Well, there are people who do these procedures who don't have a good eye. Yeah. It's artistry. I it's mean, artistry. Yeah. I, I think somebody like you, if you weren't doing this, you would probably be having some art I'd have, a, calligra I'd have a calligraphy business and write invitations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only doctor with a nice handwriting. But I, I do think it's artistry and it's, it is. it's not considered just one type of thing. There it's, really has to be a to delicacy and the way... And you, it's like a really good makeup artist totally. has to 
really have a sense of the balance of the face. No well, different. what you do... Um, I measure out faces. There are proportions that are beautiful. So Leonardo da Vinci was a genius in so many ways, but he understood the, the golden ratio and, the, and beautiful faces, no matter what, have that golden ratio. And it's so fascinating. So there are different parts of the... What is the golden ratio? It's, you know, 1 to 1.6. The, the pyramids in Egypt have that. Mm -hmm. So when you look at a beautiful face and you measure it out, Things that are uniformly believed to be beautiful, if you do the proportions, the distance between you know, the eyes and the nose and the length of the nose, there's all kinds of measurements. And the distance I, between the eyes. Exactly. I use calipers and measure it. And it's uniformly attractive. If you give 30 people pictures, they will all pick out the same thing. And they've done studies that babies, when babies are born and they look around the room, quote, beautiful faces, and that doesn't mean that every feature is beautiful, but faces that have a certain proportion. Balance, yeah. The balance, their baby's eyes are drawn to them. It's right. so interesting. So when somebody comes in and says, I want big cheeks, well, that, you're, Where are you're you gonna put them? You, they don't belong on your face, you know? The problem is that your cheeks, is that your chin is too small, and the patients have no, sometimes right. have no understanding. Yeah. And it remains the job of the physician or the injector, not always physicians, to explain that and spend time and do that. And if your injector does not evaluate your face in that way, then leave. Mm. But this is an art. Yeah. It's an art. Not, it is a bit of a science, but it's mostly an art. Mm -hmm. and, so, and I think that this is the kind of thing that I've been to dentist's office or, you know, chiropractors, and then they also have... Just like, you know, have a hand doesn't mean you can inject. I'm thinking, what? Well, you know what that's all about. Like, what? what? You know what that's about, and it's a sad commentary. What, what, what it's about money. It? If you know, if you were a great chiropractor, you'd stick to backs or whatever else you but do. But it's, it's incredible. It's that sad. It's like it, it's everywhere. Like anybody thinks they can just put a needle. That's in right. Or, you think they can do something? That's so. Horrible. So for the now as people age, obviously the skin changes. So let's talk about collagen again. <laughs> okay. So what's ha describe so what's happening in the aging process. So the biggest thing, let, we're talking about faces here for the most right. part, right? So the thing that happens is that we lose volume and the bone structure changes. And you just had Dr. Lane, the mm. bone expert here. Our bones are not as, as strong. And so what's crazy is that all the cavities on our on our faces start to expand, so the eye sockets ah, get bigger. And I'm kidding? No, and you, you do CAT scans and watch the bones of the face change. And as they change, the skin has to accommodate. So as your teeth change, the, your lips have to accommodate. If you have buck teeth, your lips will not get lines because mm, your right. lips don't have to right. contract around them. But it's so, so all of these crevices are bigger. They get right. So you get ah, if you have beautiful high cheekbones, God. they'll become exaggerated over over mm -hmm. time, and that might look nice. But what about a woman who loses the loses volume in her temples, and they you look hollow? Yeah. And what about this is another uh, favorite of mine. Our teeth start to change. So as our jaws start to shrink in, many people get crowding of their lower teeth, and as a result, the lips start to pull in. Our lips shrink; they become smaller. And have you ever seen an older person? The lips become like mm, like two little lines. So teeth are 
teeth are critical. That's right. And teeth are such a critical part of, of skin. Teeth and beauty right. go hand in hand. And I, I have, totally agree. You know, patients will come in and what do you think I should do? I'll say, to tell you the truth, I would save your money here in my office and I'm going to send you to a really good dentist, orthodontist, yeah. and do that and that'll make a you know, uh, big difference. Yeah. No, I agree. So I think keeping your teeth good yeah. is important. And it, um, all you kids out there who are listening, if you teeth have braces, wear your retainer. Right. <laughs> No, I, I, I agree. I think that that's so much a part so of it. So important. Yeah. And so now the texture of the skin is changing. Oh, right. I got off top. I got off Collagen. Topic. The texture changes, so you your bone structure changes, your skin becomes thinner, you lose elastin, you lose elastic fibers, you lose collagen, which is the brick, the brick network of your skin, you lose fat, so everything becomes less sturdy and there's less support for it and it becomes looser and that's why you start to develop jowls and things start to to hang so where does the collagen come from it's in a million jars and all the that's out all the beauty yes that's, it doesn't in, get that doesn't it's enter the, it's in the bone broth it's in yeah powders so where is the collagen coming from madam oh they they break <laughs> they, they might make it from bones or whatever they do but that doesn't mean it gets in, in. by applying it topically so so that would what, be like saying that you you have gray hair and as you well know if you color your hair you simply apply the color to your hair and then your gray hair grows out it's not right. penetrating now so there's no collagen is sort of just a you, fad. You can't get it from no. anything. No. But it... You can't replace collagen by applying it to your skin. You can't replace collagen by drinking it. It's inherent in you. And you can start by preventing the things that cause it to Demand. lessen over time. And what Smoking, what smoking and, and sun exposure would be the two biggest things. Is there anything you can do to your skin to stimulate collagen production? Well, there probably are things that you can do, but after a certain age, you can only produce as much as you can produce. You know, we regenerate, uh -huh. we regenerate skin cells over time, but to an age-appropriate level. So you'll never regenerate when you're 60 as you would when you were 20, but many people have believed over the years that doing what's called epidermabrasion or exfoliation, <clears throat> that that might help stimulate skin cells. And, does many, it? and it actually does. And, and that's what Retin-A does, by the so way. What is, what, so what's epidermabrasion? Meaning exfoliating. Okay. The epidermis is the most but outer muscle. exfoliating with something intense. With some, or, well, with something intense or manual exfoliation, like a buff puff. That's an old-fashioned mm. and inexpensive way of exfoliating. Now, if your skin is easily irritated, that might not be the mm. ideal thing. But right. as, a, as a rule, that is probably a good thing so, to do. So by stimulating the skin, there's potential opportunity right. to encourage the yes that the that is true production of collagen. of collagen and it'll helps the, the blood vessels regenerate and give your skin a nice glow but by doing that you will still age yeah so now talking about um blood flow and um so exercise obviously is good for blood flow mm -hmm. and i've been doing a lot of yoga lately and i and i'm like more upside down than i ever have been i'm mm. i've never done yoga before but i i can see that there's a certain kind of stimulation and blood flow that is probably more 
prevalent through yoga than most other exercises. You can maybe get blood not. flow, but, no, maybe, but maybe not. The upside down thing doesn't... You know, that's, that's a um, postural thing. Um, so no, because when you do a headstand, if you would get um, in, um, lots of extra blood into your head, eventually your head would explode. So oh. your body, this is what we yeah. said earlier, the body knows when, what it's supposed to, to do. Stop it That's it, right. Yeah. So if, you, if too much blood was pouring into your head, then you, it would, it, your vessels would shut down and well, seal well, it off. I, I think one of the, the, the whole thing of the sun salutation and doing downward dog and doing the movement, it's a very simple kind mm-hmm. of kind movement. I sort of feel, well, that's a very good thing for blood flow. That's well, a is. nice kind of energy for blood flow. So what I'm getting at is the exercise and blood circulation and blood flow. How does that, does that affect collagen or any of the... Well, I don't know that the blood flow per se affects collagen. I can't really speak to that. We know that the exercising or low impact can help your bones and help the collagen mm-hmm. and the proteins in your bones and help them stay, stay strong. But doing any kind of exercise, whether it's yoga or whether it's running or spinning or jumping rope, or jumping, like, or jumping <laughs> rope like I do, um, you get blood, the blood flows and the blood goes to your muscles and then you know the blood flow goes out and of your heart. And therefore, even in your face. It goes right? everywhere, right. But, but the idea of doing a headstand and thinking that that's going to feed your brain. No, but I, I, honestly, I meant more like the down dog and doing movement, for just like any exercise yeah. where you get blood circulating Everywhere. around. That's right. Yeah. And when you, when you wake up in the morning, you have less energy than when you get up and you start walking around, you have more because your muscles are now moving and mm-hmm. blood and lymph are flowing. And Yeah. So then the texture of the skin, what are the things that, you know, you're probably one of the best experts on what the tried and true best methods are for skin texture, tone, and so what, if you had to talk about things that are current, things that have been proven for you, what, what are the, the, the things you recommend that are not extreme mm-hmm. and get the job done and have the best results for the most People. Okay, so this is, I'm a pretty simple person. So well, I, simple I, to me is always best. Simple is best because it's easiest to follow. Complicated routines don't get followed ever. So I say do a simple cleanser. That is a cleanser that actually removes the oil from your face. That's what you do. And, you, and to keep your skin nice, you can do a gentle exfoliation. And you, if, or if you would like, you can use a product like a retinoid, like a Retin-A or even a Retinol that helps do that by virtue of the product that causes yeah. that right. And that helps keep your skin soft. And if you'd like to put a very thin moisturizer on because it makes your skin comfortable, that's okay. Sunscreens can be moisturizing, and that's okay to just use that alone. And as I said earlier, I have certain products that I like, DNA repairs, right. blah, blah, blah. But on your body, don't forget your body. So in the wintertime, your legs don't have a lot of oil glands. And so your legs will get dry and they get flaky and they feel awful. And then they're prone to scratching and then you get cuts and you get infections. Those are things you need to watch out for because dry legs are uncomfortable. And ugly. Uncomfortable and ugly. And on that same note, I see lots of women who go for pedicures, incessant pedicures, and the moment they get a callus on their foot, they go to the pedicure place and they start buffing it down. And, and then now you have a constant 
That's right. And addiction. Addiction, and it's a problem because what is a callus? A callus is a protection. It's like pigment in your skin. Your body mm -hmm. is saying, help, you're walking on me. I have to protect myself. I need to thicken. So when they keep buffing down your calluses, you're not getting anywhere. You're hurting your feet. Mm. I understand if you don't want them to be thick and scaly, but with, it, with moisturize, them, moisturize yeah. them every night. Use a product that has urea yeah. or lactic acid on them. Instead of buffing them away, right. moisturize them and keep them softer, but calluses protect your feet. So what, what about, what kind of treatments that you provide are the sort of the tried and true that you feel get the best results and you feel are safe and, and sort of good for a good amount of people? Like I think... What it, what, like for different, different so, things. So I think that there are lots... There are chemical peels, for instance. There are chemical peels that are so light... So explain what chemical, a chemical peel Chemical peel is a chemical that's applied to your skin which causes the skin to slough, to exfoliate. And you can do very, very mild chemical peels that don't even, imperceptible amount of, of exfoliation. And you can do chemical peels like on Sex in the City where you're home for a week and you're, you look like a snake. So uh, those deep peels are good for certain people who have deep lines or deep sun damage. But and for the average really person, it, it actually does. You may lose pigment in your face. Over a period of time? No, over the course of that of 10 days or whatever you slough, there are very deep peels, but that's extreme. And so does it last? That those, some of those peels last for the rest of your life. If yeah, you, if you could actually destroy pigment cells, you can lose, you know, lose pigment permanently like you do with a dermabrasion. Wow. You can lose pigment. But those are, you can do chemical peels of all levels, and they help keep your skin nice and soft if they're done correctly and not too often and done by someone who knows what they're doing. So those are, those are procedures. If, it also depends on what you're trying to accomplished. If it's pigmentation you want to get rid of, there are certain lasers that work. So talk about lasers. What are lasers? Do, laser like, is what, light. What? Laser is light and, that, and it targets certain tissues. So there are some lasers, so some laser light that will target a particular color. So certain lasers attack redness and certain lasers attack brown. And there are certain lasers that attack tattoos of different pigments. So that's it's really fascinating. And by the way, the hardest tattoo, you can never pretty much get rid of a tattoo that's flesh-colored. So be very careful about that if you ever have something like that done. So, it's easiest so, to get rid of a darkest so the, tattoo. the laser then is a color corrector. It's a color corrector. It, it causes damage to the color, whatever that is, and it causes it to, to dissipate. So for people who have blood vessels on their face, let's say, there are certain lasers that are very useful, and you can actually Which seal those vessels up. on me. Right. And yeah. See, uh, you, look how beautiful you look. That's Aww. just, I'm kidding. But <laughs> they're, they're different. <laughs> just, because, just because you own a laser doesn't mean you have to use it on everyone. Right, yeah. All right. And you have to be realistic. Right, right. And so um, I hear people talk about lasers for lines. Well, there are some lasers that are used for lines. They're ablative CO2 lasers. They actually take off layers of skin. And doing that, they they injure the deeper layers and cause the deeper layers to try to regenerate themselves. So you can actually improve fine lines by using certain kinds of lasers, and they're very effective. There's downtime involved, and it needs to be done on the right person. Um, you have to you know, choose your patients wisely and choose your, choose your weapons wisely. I've heard people talk about a vampire facial. <laughs> right, so vampire what facial. Is, what's... <laughs> that is PRP. Platelet-rich plasma. So, like which when is, you, the 
like people go to Germany to have PRP for their knees. Right, and they do that here too. And there's no hard science about orthopedic use of PRP, but many people think that it helps them. I have not seen any benefit to doing a vampire facial. That's my personal opinion. And again, I'm very practical. And you could call me a dinosaur. I figure if something is good, it'll be good forever. I don't need to be the first one to try it on patients whom I don't consider right. guinea pigs. So I don't see any advantage. You know, if you're 30 years old and you do anything, you're going to be fine. And you'll look really good. There are so many of those procedures, these tightening procedures that they say are fantastic. I have yet to see What's a great... What's tightening? You know, like... Thera and Thermage. I just am not a proponent of those. I think by the time you realize that you need your skin tightened, it's too late, too late. to use a device. You need right. to do surgery. If you're 30 years old and you use a tightening device and you look in the mirror and say, boy, that really helped, that's great. You, you look like that anyway. I'm just practical and yeah. I, I'm, I'm very honest. What those, about those rolly things that you see people rolling their faces? So, Actually, my mother had something like mm -hmm. that, that um, I think she bought through Reader's Digest. Or and you know, like there that. is some, there's some science to that. And we've been doing that technique for 100 years on acne scars. Oh. It's basically, it's called subcision, or you make little injuries with needles and you break up the tissue, you break up the scar tissue. So that's the concept behind microneedling that you hear about now where little needles are inserted into the skin and they're causing these microscopic injuries that tell the skin, you better repair yourself. So crazy as it sounds, those old fashioned rollers can actually be useful if they're used for right. many, many years. And it depends on how deep the, the, the little needles penetrate too, But of course. there are some on, I see them on Instagram a lot, mm -hmm. without the needles, it just looks like a rolly that you sort of... The, oh, those are ridiculous. That's just pressure. That's absurd. <laughs> <laughs> but some of that, right. Like the jade roller, you mean? Yeah. Uh, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean... The, just a gimmick. It, it, yeah. I just think there's so many of these things... It's overwhelming, that Norma. ...that people want to just look better and they'll try Anything. Everything. And what about these, these, there are lots of sites um, that, I, that I get ads from every day on, on the Instagram that talk about products and the, they, they get a new cream and they, the pe person who's writing the, the little piece says, I love this cream, my skin was so much better. And meanwhile, they've used it for two weeks. Okay, in two weeks, nothing is going, <laughs> nothing substantial can happen to your skin. And also the people who test it are 20 years old. Yeah. And everything looks great on them. What about the... <laughs> it's it's some Asian cream and I can't remember the name of it or if it has a name. And there's always older men and women with big bags under their eyes and wrinkles on their foreheads and they put this cream on, they massage it in and then the clock goes and the line goes away and that oh, goes away. You mean away. The, um, that, that, that Hannah Cure mask or something? No, oh. this is, this is another cream. and I don't and know that so, one. I haven't gotten um, an Instagram ad on that yet. So I actually sent away for it. Did you get it? It came in. Did you and use it, was, it? No, because <laughs> it was written in Chinese. All of get it. Get Google Translate. And there was no English. And I just thought, you can't even this? read what chemicals you're People don't care. They'll put anything. Unbelievable. It's and unbelievable. so uh, it, I just found that unbelievable <laughs> well, that you could actually 
get something and do that you and not can't even read. Mom, what the hell? And put I'll it try on. it. Right. I know people are crazy. They just don't think. But I just thought, who's making this? What What is this? You never know. What's in this? I wanted to see the ingredients because when you went online, you couldn't. You see couldn't it. tell. You, you I think I. It. I think it was an Instagram purchase. Which Some of those I'm totally addicted to. I am too. And you know what I got? You know what came yesterday? I. I have my. This is my favorite Instagram purchase ever, and it's not cosmetic. It's called Cuddle Clones, and you send pictures of your dog, Stop. your pet. I swear, and it will make you either a stuffed animal or what I got my husband for his birthday, and he opened it last night, a gol- golf club cover with, the Im- with your dog's dog. head. If I tell you it's exactly dog. my dog, and when my dog saw, saw the stuffed animal last night, she didn't know what to do. She was just standing there. We videoed it. It was the fun. It's identical. Cuddle clones. This You've got to try it. This is the, this is the <laughs> addiction of is purchasing of a do- on This is a doctor. Right. Um, so, th- uh, so now there are... A hundred fillers and things that, you know, there's, so, there's always another ad for another thing. What are your thoughts about the different kinds of fillers and well, they're old and new? And so what? just because something's new doesn't mean you need to use it. And so I like to use fillers that have hyaluronic acid in them. Now, H-A, what is that? The HA, hyaluronic acid, is uh, the 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 building block of our skin. It's what is underneath our skin. It's what gives our skin structure. And it's the same in all living things. So there's no chance really? of... Yes, it's really interesting. So there's in no, animals? Uh-huh, in animals and in humans, Get it's the same. So, that, so there's no chance of allergy as opposed to back in the day when collagen came from cows and you could be allergic to it. You don't. So with the HA fillers, you what don't need to... What was the thing that was horse urine? No, that, that's Premarin cream. That's a topical cream. Oh, is it that, that's, that's different. Okay. That's different. Okay. Yeah, it's totally different. <laughs> <laughs> that's horse urine. Got my... <laughs> it's got, yeah, it got your substances mixed up. up. <laughs> right. But by the way, Premarin cream, which comes from horse urine, from pregnant mare urine, has been shown to really help keep skin soft, not only in the vaginal area, but around the eyes. And I actually have been using Premarin cream around my eyes for... 25 years. Get and I, out. No, you I, see? Mm, so. <laughs> I had a patient uh, 25 years ago who was at 80 years old, and she looked like she was 30. And I said, what have you been doing? And she said, I've been using Premarin cream for all these years, and Stop. I started right then to use it. That and it's, I think it really, really, really does, does very help. Very interesting. Yeah, it really is. So but going back to the fillers, what's norm, it called again? Hyaluronic acid. Okay. The abbreviation is HA, and there are okay. lots of fillers that have HA. There are Juvederm, the whole Juvederm family, and what's Restylane, that? and that's all they, the different, same acid. The it, same. it all has hyaluronic okay. acid in it. Juvederm, Restylane, they're different companies that, that make them. Bellatero, there's a whole bunch of them, and then they're made somewhat differently. They have different preservatives, different kinds of cross-linking, and depending on which part of the face you use it in, will determine how thick, how durable the filler is. You have to rely on your injector your doctor or your nurse practitioner or whoever is injecting you to be a savvy injector and to have uh, products that are safe and that you are that you're comfortable with that he or she is comfortable with and movement on the face yeah well that's that's toxin that's different fillers don't make you not move botulinum toxin so botox botox dysport zeamin and now the brand new one juvo those are all botulinum toxins that inhibit the movement of muscles. And those are the things that are injected that help you not move. 
And so uh, they're, they're used completely differently. Fillers and toxin, or filler and, quote, Botox. There, there are women whose entire faces are absolutely smooth. And they don't move at all. So do they Isn't put, that charming? put it all over there? You can put that all over your well, face? Those do not get put. Those get injected. injected. So Botox gets injected into but the face. But you can do that all over your face. I mean, you could do it anywhere you want. It doesn't mean you should. And when pa- but, when, but that's why. Yeah. That's yes. The why only way your face, face isn't moving. correct. That it, the only way your face <laughs> wouldn't move is if somebody injected into the muscles a facial movement, and it looks bizarre. So when you see people who have sort of like chipmunk faces, that's too much filler. That's not toxin. That's not Botox. And what would that? be correcting if somebody put, does that what I is have it no correcting? well filling what, out cheeks what do they yeah so people don't think that they're going to fill their cheeks out somehow they've been sold a bill of goods that says if you put filler too much filler into your cheeks it'll lift your face and i say well why would that lift your face it what it might do is make the upper part of your face look wider compared to the lower part and that might help uh, give you the old contours. You remember when you're when you're a kid, your face is a triangle with the widest part of the triangle on top. And as we get older, the triangle flips, and the widest parts on the bottom, our jaw lines mm-hmm. ex- expand. So if you put filler in the top part of your face in some proportion, it's possible that it would make the upper part of your face broader and make the lower part narrower and give you a younger look. But what happens more often than not is they put too much filler in there, and they protrude. Um, frontally, and it's just put in wrong. It's unpleasant. It's unpleasant. It's the wrong proportion. It's the wrong amount. It's weird. So the the bottom line is that gravity and the loss of collagen are bringing down the the skin. So the idea of a facelift is you go like this and lift it up. If there were, like, some trick or I, it's not a trick but something some tape that you that could can ho- do like, <laughs> well like I bought the, that tape like the Sophia Loren uh, you know that does look good I tried I bought it I just to try it just to see <laughs> it doesn't even stick and I'm pretty good with my hands I couldn't or even get the thing to stick or hair that would be nice if you had somebody yeah, was doing that hold your skin you, back that you put the clip and it holds your that would be skin great back. and if you do invent one or I'll work on it with I, you that would I'm be a miracle <laughs> that would be a miracle but sometimes there's nothing to do but actual surgery and if that's if your skin is hanging and you feel lousy then maybe that's the time to do surgery and mm. and and make yourself feel good but understand that at a certain but age surgery is surgery surgery is, is surgery yeah. but if you know it's plastic surgery can be amazing and can transform lives but on the other hand you can you know you can take it too far but understand that there's only so much you can do and if you if you think that at age 50 you can start doing things to your skin topically that will affect it you're you can improve it but you need Mm. to start young yeah you know if you don't and it's really about a healthy life it's about a healthy lifestyle starting at an early age yeah so just be smart, but know that there is no such thing as a miracle. There really isn't. There are things that can be great, but nothing is going to turn the clock around. It will make you hopefully look and feel as good as you can for whatever age you're at. Right. But get a grip. Mm. You know, try to be gorgeous in whatever body yeah. you have and whatever, whatever face you have. I, I, I do think diet and exercise have an incredible effect on the tone of the skin 
But I also think there's something about spirit, like there's a spirit that people have. And some young girls lose the spirit and don't have it. But something about the spirit that you see in somebody's eyes or in their attitude, and yes, they have lines and there's stuff going right. on, but, That's what but they look... More than skin deep. Yeah, but they look like themselves and they're and they not look happy yeah so i think that a healthy lifestyle is something that you actually proactively have so you feel good because you're doing something mm -hmm. you're not just lying and there. having a purpose too. having a purpose yeah. and and you know being happy in your life it reflects mm -hmm. itself in your skin in your face and your smile and you know every single part of you so mm -hmm. i i also think that People should understand the artistry of what you do and that if you know that this person has a sense of proportion and like you were saying, the, the dynamic of the distance of the eyes and the eyebrows and everything. But I, I just think people are not oblivious about that so much. I mean, if somebody comes to see you, do they ask you questions about that? Like what, no. what are so, the no. typical questions? What can I do? Well, I, I, want, I want to look better. Or they'll say, you know, I really want my lips made bigger. I don't discuss lips made bigger. Let's talk about your face. <laughs> Let's see what bothers you. Let me, and then I'll measure the faces out, and I'll show them what actually I think is appropriate. And sometimes I'll say, can I just do this? And I think you're going to like the way you look, and you don't even know, you might not even know why. Or I can, just by looking at someone, realize that what they don't like is their chin. They might not be able to put it into words, but once you measure out a face, you can point things out to yeah. them, and they go, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like I'll say to someone, you've always liked your nose, and they go, yeah. Then I say, because that's the, it's in the perfect proportion to your face. To your yeah, face. so yeah. it's just really, you have to love what you do, and you have to be good at what you do, and be and, and Honest what about and, facials? What, what's your theory about facials? Really want to know? Yeah, I do. Save your money. I, you know, if you, like, if you think the facial relaxes you, great. If you have terrible acne and a facialist is able to remove blackheads, great, but they usually don't. It's just a relaxation. It will do nothing for you other than relax you. I would personally rather spend money on a massage than a facial. Yeah, I, I think it's good for people to get into the habit of doing the facial ritual themselves, like you said, you know, doing a cleanser and exfoliate right. and doing and making that part of, or doing it for your friend or your mom, you know, I, I think that that's a nice touch thing. Where it is, that's a touch. But, um, but steaming I, your face and then slapping it and doing all the yeah. crazy things is the just thing, not. So on, on, on this closing note, I just want to hear your take on the 10-step Korean <laughs> stuff. What, so is there some sense to the toners and the layers and the oil and the, this, like, there is just, so much to do. And it's impossible, unless you have nothing else to do in your life, it's impossible to maintain that. So the more products you use, the more products you need to use to get rid of them. In my mind, there is no sense whatsoever to the 10-step uh, Korean skincare. You do not need all those things. You're putting things on that then require something else to take them off because they should not be on your, on your face. And if you have skin that has no problems, you could probably put all the cream in the entire universe on your face and you'll be fine. But simple is better. 
Give yourself time to do things that are useful yeah. in your life and do things that are good in the world and help other people and take an old person for a walk. Well, Read right. a book to your child. I know. Don't waste your time on this right. tomfoolery. Yeah. I, I think just touching another human being and... Gently. And gently. Kindness. Careful what you say. Harvey Weinstein took no, that to an extreme. Yeah. So touching with kindness. <laughs> I'll touch you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ellen. Norma, it's always it so, so much fun to be around I'm you. I'm so happy you did this and helped me organize.